If you are not advancing, you are retreating. Oh, come on. You could write that in your notes if you're a note taker. If you're not advancing, you are retreating. There's no such thing as maintaining. You know, if you're not advancing, you are retreating. So God wants you to understand how to obtain from glory to glory. Okay. Now this message, I mean, it's burning within me. It's entitled, you will move forward now. Uh, let me just let that simmer. You, you will move forward now. You will move forward now. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's kind of slowly clicking in. You will move forward now. You know, I'm going to talk to you about Lot's wife. You know, I've gotten the privilege of preaching many women's conferences. And we talk about Deborah's rising. We talk about Esther. We talk about, I'm going to be a Mary Magdalene that got seven demons cast out of me. But do you know of the 170 women that are mentioned in scripture, Jesus only commands us to remember one and it's Lot's wife. And I've never heard a women's conference sermon about Lot's wife, but it's the only women that we are explicitly told by Jesus, remember Lot's wife. And can I just tell you, I've been preaching for a long time and I've never preached a sermon on Lot's wife my entire preaching career. And part of it was because it was so cliche. Oh, I get it. She turns to a pillar of salt, so don't look back. Oh, I, you know, don't, don't go back to your past. Don't retreat in your mind. I get it. Like, it was kind of cliche. So if you haven't noticed, I don't like preaching cliche stuff. So for my whole preaching career, I've avoided preaching about Lot's wife until this week as I begin to study and go deeper on my message I, I, first of all, I recognize that Jesus commanded, don't forget Lot's wife. So it's a command. Remember Lot's wife. So I was like, okay, so I want to follow the commands of Jesus. Therefore, I must remember Lot's wife. Then the second question I had is why did she turn into a pillar of salt? Why a pillar? And there's probably very few of you that can give me a good answer. Why did she turn into a pillar of salt? So can I take you through that narrative and show you a deep and profound understanding and revelation that, and maybe unearth a little bit of the revelation behind why Jesus explicitly said, if you're going to remember any woman in scripture, remember Lot's wife. Can we go there? Okay. So we're all going to be tempted to look back, every single one of us, because we build our life and we make the best of it that we can make. So you might not like your house, but you're making the best of it. You might not like your job, but you're making the best of it. You might not like the family that you were born into, but you're making the best of it. So that's what humans do. We, you might not like where you live, but you make the best of it. You find your, oh, I like to go eat at this place. I, I, go, I go and drive over here. I, like, I stop here for gas and not there. And we make the best of our life. I, I have this friend at my job and I like seeing them and they make my day a little bit better. And we kind of, we just figure out, that's what human nature is, is figuring out how to make the best of a bad situation. And that's what life is. Lot and Lot's wife were trying to figure out how to make the best life they could in Sodom and Gomorrah in a very sinful place. 
the kind of sin that was happening was the same kind of sin that you all watch in the pornography that you prescribe to. It was the kind of sin that I used to think only happened in certain isolated times in human history. Now I realize that we film it and make a multi-billion dollar industry out of it. And so for those of you that are like, I, I would never live in Sodom and Gomorrah, you open up a digital portal to it in your phone every single time you go back to porn. And then, and so people were, you know, incestuous sin, sleeping together, all kinds of rampant sexual sin. They also did not serve the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. They didn't serve the Hebrew God. And so they served many other gods. But again, it's very easy to think, well, I would never worship a false God. But here's the thing. If Jesus is not number one, he, if he's not first, he's last, <laughs> If seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. And so here's the thing. If Jesus is number two, three, and four, he's still not first, which means he's last. He can only take one spot and it's first. Are y'all with me? There are people who are attending this church to grow a multi-level marketing and they don't love Jesus, but they think that if they learn the principles of Jesus, they can make disciples that make disciples that make disciples, but they want to monetize their disciples. So they're going to stand before God and Jesus is going to say, depart from me. You knew my principles, but I never knew you. There are people attending this church because their wife says, if you don't attend church, we're not going to stay married. And so, so Jesus is third in their life, and, but not first. And if Jesus isn't first, he's last. Who am I helping? I'm about to read some scripture because we're going to go there. So the thing about church is there's some people who are here because they love songs. And they want to sing the songs because the songs make them feel good. But homie, Mariah Carey can make you feel that feeling. Old school Mariah, not new school Mariah. Enrique Iglesias can make you feel that feel old school Enrique, not new school. So, but there are people who are here that love the feeling of Jesus when he's in the room because his aroma wafts their nostrils, but they don't know the man. And so I have to peel back the layers because, and there should be confrontational. This should be, I mean, the beginning of this message should be an assessment. It should be an evaluation. There are people that come to church, they, they listen to sermons for breakthrough, but if you listen for sermons for breakthrough, you'll end up chasing gurus and celebrity pastors instead of chasing Jesus. Because Tony Robbins can give you a breakthrough. Gary Vaynerchuk can give you a breakthrough, but I don't listen to sermons for breakthrough. I listen because Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And I want to consume the bread of life. I, I want to consume Jesus through his word. It's a different, it's, it's, to me, the apex of all belief is belief in Jesus. It's not belief in principles. If you want leadership principles biblically based, go to John Maxwell, don't go to church. Church is when you become the body and the bride of Christ. Because becoming the body of Christ is possible when you receive the bread of Christ and then you metabolize it into the person of Christ. It's coming together in sacrament. It's coming together in song. It's coming together in sacrifice. It's coming together in fellowship. It's coming together in giving financially. It's coming together and saying, I want to be conformed to the image of the one we are beholding. So let's peel back all the layers. Why are we here? 
Let's peel back all the layers. Why are we here? And I think that what I see is when we, to move forward now, selfishness holds you back. Selflessness moves you forward. It's a very simple metric. If you're stuck in your marriage, it's because you're selfish. But when you become selfless in your marriage, your marriage begins to advance. If you're stuck in your career, it's because you're selfish. Anytime you do something for money, you, you have to make an exchange passion for purchase, passion for money. You couldn't pay Steve Jobs to do what he did. You couldn't pay Walt Disney to do what he did because you can't pay for passion. So as soon as it becomes a job, you become a hireling. And as soon as you become hired to do it, you, you will not advance. That's the definition of mediocrity. You're clocking in and clocking out. If you get married for sex, you got married for selfish reasons. So therefore, you'll be the worst spouse because you've, you've made your spouse into a prostitute. <laughs> if you go to church and you listen to sermons for breakthrough, then you made your pastor a guru. And so then what will happen is you'll go chase a guru that is better or more available. Why am I saying this? You will move forward. Now, let's talk about Lot's wife. There are three reasons primarily why you're not moving forward. And these are three reasons why Lot's wife looked back momentarily and was turned into a pillar of salt. Number one, curiosity. Number two, comfort. And number three, conformity. And I'm going to give you a definition for each one of these off the front. And then I'm going to show you some crazy revelation about salt in scripture. And this is for everybody. This is for the V1 church staff. This is for the V1 church dream team members. This is for connect group leaders. And this is for first time guests. We're all getting this one together because you could tell the Lord did a work in me this week. Number one, curiosity is another way of saying nostalgia. Nostalgia is your enemy. Nostalgia. But we used to sing this song in my old church, and I love that song. Yes, but your old church was led by Ahab and Jezebel. So you have nostalgia for a song. Do you have nostalgia for that abuse? Oh, but, but I love the way that woman used to love me. No, it wasn't love. It was lust. Love your wife. You're not with her. That girl was your girlfriend, but this woman is your wife. You have one wife. And so you need to break that nostalgia off because the nostalgia is killing the nostalgia for a girlfriend is killing your marriage with your wife. Nostalgia, curiosity, even though Sodom and Gomorrah was rampant with sin, even though Sodom and Gomorrah was rampant with filth, there was a part of Lot's wife that said, but I made a home among that filth. I, what if I can't smell it again? What about that one object that I got hanging on my shelf? What about that one thing? What if she looked back because she remembered there was just one thing in her house that she didn't grab when the angel said, we got to leave before it's destroyed? What if you stayed at that toxic, abusive church because there was one thing you liked about it? And that's how you end up in a pillar of salt. You become a monument to everybody else. Don't do that. <laughs> Fixed permanently in the position. The pillar of salt, one revelation of it was your curiosity will cause you to look back and become a memorial to everybody else of what they shouldn't do. Your curiosity, when I, y'all, I don't care. 
Every single time I counsel a man and a wife who are on the verge of divorce, they say, I wondered what one of my exes was doing and I looked them up on social media and I DM them and that's how this whole thing started. It's curiosity turning you into a pillar of salt. If you haven't blocked every single one of your exes, it's because there's an ungodly soul tie and you're still connected to them. If you haven't blocked every single one of them and made a way so that you couldn't see what they're doing, it's because your curiosity is drawing you back through that ungodly soul tie. If you're constantly checking on the church that you came from, then you're attending two churches. You attend ours physically and you attend theirs digitally. Your curiosity is gonna turn you into a pillar of salt. You're an online member of their church and you're an in-person member of our church. The Bible says you can't serve two masters. You'll love the one, you'll hate the other. Choose you this day who you will serve. And so this is why they say pay attention because your attention carries a cost. You have to pay it. Y'all, you'll love me when this sermon is over. Number two is conformity, or I'm sorry, comfort. But let me rewire comfort because everybody thinks, ah, I'm chilling. No, no, no. Another way of saying comfort is attachment. Another way of saying comfort is attachment, attachment. And the Lord wants to detach you from people. He wants to detach you from nostalgia. He wants to detach you from things that you were connected to. And I know this word hurts, but believe me, it ends with encouragement, attachment. You sometimes we are attached to things. I mean, think about a cigarette. It's one of my favorite illustrations of attachment. When you study the physiology of smoking cigarettes, it, and I remember because I, I used to work as pastoral counsel for a drug rehab facility, and I had to study the science behind these different uh, substances that people would use. What's crazy about a cigarette, when you look at it on a chemical level, is it simultaneously does two things. One, it speeds up your heart rate. And while it's speeding up your heart rate, it simultaneously sends a chemical to your mind that tells your brain that you're calming down. So one of the cumulative effects of smoking cigarettes is heart damage. But the reason why it damages your heart is because it tells your mind you're calming down. So it's actually speeding up your heart rate while it's telling your mind that you're calming down. And so what the devil does is he'll tell you that you're being comforted while you're actually being abused. He'll tell you you're being comforted while you're actually being used. He'll tell you that you're being comforted. Come on, somebody. So you'll receive an attachment to a relationship, to a ministry, to somebody online, and, and it's simultaneously sending you a demonic single signal of it's calming you, but while it's calming you, it's killing you. Oh, y'all, we're gonna, let me show you. And the last one is conformity. Another way of saying conformity is people-pleasing. Do you know how many pastors don't preach what the Holy Spirit tells them because they feel like they have to preach what the people want them to say? Do you know how many pastors are going to go to hell for not rightly dividing scripture because they knew what the scripture said, but they actually conformed it to what the people's itching ears wanted to hear? Do you know how many Christians are going to go to hell because they live like sinners while they're at work, but they worship like saints when they're in church because they don't know how to break the people pleasing when they're at work and tell people, I don't, you know how many Christians stop drinking except for when they're with their friends that drink because they don't have enough courage to tell them I don't 
drink anymore? Do you not? Come on, somebody. I'm coming for every single one of you today. It's, it's conformity. Another way of saying conformity is people-pleasing. You got to make a decision. Are you going to please the Father? Or are you going to please somebody who's already going to hell? Don't go with them. And so sometimes you've got to be willing to tell them, I don't talk like that anymore. I don't act like that anymore. I don't think, you know how many leaders under my leadership have heard me preach 15 sermons about gossip and yet gossip themselves? Why? Because when they get in front of an audience, they can't even handle an audience of three, but they're asking God for three million. They gossip in front of an audience of three and saying, God, trust me with three million. And God says, if you're faithful with little, I'll make you rule over much. Mike Signorelli, won't, I won't gossip with three people. Therefore, he trusts me with three million. And so conformity is people pleasing. The, you should look like the weirdest person on your job. Your marriage, your finances, the way that you conduct yourself, you should be the most bizarre person to them. They should be like, what country are you from? I am from a distant place called heaven. Heaven is my home. I talk like heaven. I have the mind of Christ. I think like heaven. I'm going to speak in tongues in public. I'm going to call it a demon when it's a demon. You are going to learn my ways. I'm not going to learn your ways. Every single time in scripture that there were border populations, God God explicitly told the nation of Israel, do not adopt their practices. They are pagan. You are separate. Be separate. And so at work, you should be weird enough that you become salt to them. Food is bland without salt. Salt is flavoring. Salt provokes thirst. When you're salt, when there's something, when you eat something salty, it provokes thirst. Am I not right? So there must be something so different about you that it becomes salt and it provokes, but it'll never happen if there's conformity. I had to give up the idea of some of these mega church pastors ever inviting me to their conferences. The reason why they're never going to bring me out is because they want to get together and sing songs and preach motivational sermons and the demonized people leave just as demonized as they came. The sick people leave just as sick as they came. And I have a confrontational spirit on the inside of me. It's the spirit of Jehovah, the living God. And they're not going to bring me in because I'm called to be a prophetic bull running through the China shop of all of the trinket gods that they've erected in their ministries. And so I had to give up the idea of being liked by them. They all view my Instagram stories, but never like my posts. You know, those kind of people. And you've got to get up, give up the idea of you being embraced by circles that don't stand for what you stand for. And so conformity, comfort. Come on, what's the first one? <laughs> so Genesis chapter 19, verse 26 says, but Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Let me talk to you about the science of salt. Table salt is sodium and, and it's chloride. That's on a chemical compound level. When you put it in water, the two particles split. So sodium is a positive charge and chlorine is a negative charge. So what happens is they attract H2O. So salt is a lot like desire. If water is a biblical term for truth, then salt attracts truth. Are you all with me? 
So to be salty, to be the salt of the earth means you attract truth. Just like salt draws water, you draw truth. Are you with me? Jesus says you are the salt of the earth. That means you attract truth. That means that you can expose a lie by the very nature of your existence. There's some pastors that need THC to get through their week. There's some pastors that need nicotine to get through their week. There's some pastors that need alcohol to get through the week. And they don't invite me to hang with them because I am like salt that attracts truth. And it's going to be hard for things to stay hidden when they're around. There's some people that you're like, why don't they ever call you? Because you're going to attract truth when you're around them and they don't want the truth because they're comforted because they're curious and because they're conformed does somebody hear what I'm trying to say Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5 verse 13 you are the salt of the earth but if salt has lost its taste how shall its saltiness be restored it is no longer good for anything ex except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet so if you are salt that loses your saltiness, you are, it says it's only good to be trampled to throw it out. It's an imagery of hell to just discard it. It has no usage. Pastor Mike, why are you always talking about LGBTQ plus IA? Why are you always talking about gender? Why are you always talking about homosexuality? Let me tell you, two things happen by me repeatedly speaking on it from this stage. And I do it intentionally. One, as I begin to communicate the heart of God for people's freedom, two things happen. People watching online or people in every single one of our campuses say, I'm leaving this church and never coming back because I want to conform to the way the world thinks. Or two, people who are in bondage in the area of identity and sexuality say, I've heard the truth and now I want to be free. Pastors ask me, why is it that you have people who are getting free in the area of sexuality and their identity across all of your campuses repeatedly? And I say, for every one that gets free, there's 15 that leave my church. And what you don't see is how many people leave. Salt provokes water. If water is the truth of God's word, then salt will reveal the truth. And when people come into the truth, it's going to do one thing. It's going to set them free. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. But it all, the origin of that breakthrough is salt because somebody has to say the truth that there are not as many genders as you decide there are. There's male and female and God created them in the garden and anything else is confusion. And we can go significantly deeper on this topic. I have a whole YouTube channel where I do that. But the simplicity of it is, if I lose my flavor, then I am risking being the Christian in this generation that gets discarded because I had no say. So how do you, okay. What makes salt have flavor? It's that it tastes different than the thing it's seasoning. So if I sound like you, I'm not salty. If I talk like you, I'm not salty. If I think like, what makes me salt is that I'm different than the thing I'm seasoning. Pff, come on, somebody. 
Salt represents a desire to change. Do you have salt in you? Mark chapter nine, verse 24. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. See, that's the cry of people who are being confronted with truth. They're either gonna cry, crucify him, or they're gonna cry, help me with my unbelief. Every single Sunday that I'm preaching, you're either saying, I want to leave this church or I want to run to the altar. But one thing we're not is living in the middle because the Bible says there are 10 virgins, five wise and five unwise. There is no middle ground. He says, either be hot or be cold because if you're lukewarm, I will spit you out. There is no middle ground. And so I've got to preach in a way that makes people say, I'm either leaving this church or I'm running towards the altar. You got to learn how to live your life in such a way that causes your family to either repent or to leave you. That causes your friends to either repent or leave you. If they're comfortable around you, it's because you're comfortable with sin. If they're, come on somebody, we've got to get out of the middle because Christ is not coming back for a compromised church. He's coming back for the true church that is uncompromised. I don't care what they think. That's why this church grew slow. It didn't grow fast. I laughed every time they said fastest growing church. This church grew slow because it grew on the right things. You want to be an MLM? That's fine. God can use an MLM, but don't come into this place with the wrong desire. You, you want to come here and learn and, some, and you're working some things out, that's fine. But don't criticize the man of God. Join a connect group where we have conversations about what's being preached every week. There's a way to do it. You're working on your marriage, then work on your marriage. But don't tell me you're working on it, but you're still scrolling the way you're scrolling. See, this is the thing about it is here's the thing. Don't come to me lying to me. Let your yes be a yes and let your no be a no. And see, you've met very few people with that level of integrity because people say yes, but they mean maybe. They say no, but they mean maybe. They have a price tag on their head. You know, they, they have a level either in, in what the Lord's dialing into the body right now is a level of integrity that will actually cause salt this is the, all, to come up on the inside of us to provoke thirst from the world. And here's what's happening. <laughs> that same salt that provokes will also be the salt that repels. Some will be repelled and some will be provoked. Not everybody followed Jesus. Not everybody is going to follow you. Not everybody is going to follow the Jesus inside of you. Some will be repelled, but many will be provoked. And you are coming for the ones that are provoked because deliverance is for the desperate. And so salt provokes the desperate. Oh, the, the know-it-alls with YouTube seminary degrees, the, the know-it-alls that some of your friends and family that only ever been to a Catholic church and visit our church one time and have an expert opinion on it. The fact that our movie and IMDb has over 410 star ratings, but still only displays five stars. We're living in a world where if you stand for the truth, you're going to experience true persecution. And if you are not sharing in the struggle, you're not going to share in the glory Y'all hear what I'm just saying? If you're not sharing in the struggle, you're not going to share in the glory. 
He says, partake in my suffering with me. Join with me in this suffering. And this is a call to join in with the suffering. Let me go a little bit deeper. Desire now turns to covenant. So salt starts as desire, but then desire should start in a covenant. When I first saw Julie, oh, that girl. I, I remember I used to be a musician. I was playing a show, a concert, whatever. I remember I was on stage. I looked down. I saw this curly-headed five-foot-four, and I said, that's the one, Lord. That's the one. Then my friend set up a hangout with us, and we were hanging out, and she was wearing this. I won't, man, let me stop myself. And I said, I remember I came back after that hangout. I told my friend, I said, he goes, what do you think about her now that you got to hang out? I'm like, bro, I got to seal the deal, like now. It's over. It's over for her. And then when I asked her out like five times, she said, I'm just dating Jesus. I was like, who's Jesus? Who is he? Show me. I'm from Hammond. Who is he? From the south side. Show me this guy. Well, who am I up against? She's like, no, no, Jesus Christ. I was like, okay. (laughs) And so here's my point. Nothing wrong with it starting as desire, but it needs to end in covenant. You desire to find a good local church. Nothing wrong with visiting a church out of desire, but that desire should produce covenant. Because some of y'all are attending three churches, not covenant to anything. Stop making the church your girlfriend and make it your wife. There's nothing wrong with desire. Nothing wrong with me desiring Julie, but the things I wanted to do to her, you only do when you're married. It's getting awkward, isn't it? It's getting awkward, isn't it? Nothing wrong with desire, but desire in covenant is the only way to righteously fulfill it. Nothing wrong with desiring a good church, but you better covenant to that church. You hear what I'm saying? Nothing wrong with the desire. It's the, what we do. So we got to go deeper. Now look at this. This is going to blow your mind. Exodus chapter 30, verse 34 and 35. The Lord said to Moses, take sweet spices with, with pure frankincense of each shall be an equal part. Now look at verse 35. And make an incense blended as by the perfumer, seasoned with salt, pure and holy. So the incense had to be seasoned with what? What? What is incense, Pastor Mike? Incense represents intercession. It represents communication and communion with God. In other words, God communicating to us and us communicating to him. And he says, don't offer the incense unless it's seasoned with salt. You have to put salt in the incense. Oh, I'm going deep today. Can we go deeper? Numbers. Come on. Some of you put on your little floaty device right now. Come on. Put on your door of the Explorer floaty and act like you know what I'm talking about. Come into the deep end. Numbers chapter 18, verse 19. All the holy contributions that the people of Israel present to the Lord, I give to you and to your sons and daughters with you as a perpetual due. It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord for you and for your offspring with you. What? You've all heard of a covenant of blood. But very very few of you ever had a pastor that loved you enough to talk to you about a covenant of salt. What is this? It is a covenant of salt forever before you 
before the Lord and for you and your offspring forever. Can I go a little bit deeper? I'm going to teach the book of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter two, verse 13. You shall season all your grain offerings with salt. You shall not let the salt of the covenant with your God be missing from your grain offering with all. Somebody say all. With all of your offerings, you shall offer salt. What? I thought that they offered animals. I thought that they offered grain. I thought that they offered incense. Yes, but the common denominator, don't do any of it without. Then what is salt? This is how you've been discipled incorrectly at your other church. We taught you how to offer songs without salt. We've taught, we've taught you how to serve without salt. We've taught you how to preach without salt. If you were to ask me, Pastor Mike, what's the difference in V1? What's the difference in your leadership? What's the difference in your preaching? It's salt. When this, I remember when this church was weeks away from running out of money. This was years ago now. This was our first year we came here. We only had 18 people. We launched with 50. We were flown around 40 or 50 people. And every week the bank account was getting lower and lower. And I'll never forget my board of directors. We had a meeting and they said, it looks like you're going to run out of money. And they, they said, what are you willing to do? And I said, Anything. And he said, what, what is anything to you? I said, I will go, I'll commute every day. I will work 80, 90 hours a week just for the privilege to preach to these 50 people every week. And then they looked at Julie and they said, now, Julie, what are you willing to do? And Julie said, if I've got to put the kids in daycare, I'll put the kids in daycare. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll go and get a job. We'll combine our incomes. We will fund the church and fund our life. We will do whatever it takes to preach at this church, to proclaim the gospel. What is that? That is covenant. Covenant. covenant is I lay my whole life down and you lay your whole life down. When I do a marriage, it's not, do you want to be married to her despite her wanting to marry, be married to you? What the beauty of a marriage is saying, I give you all of me and I give you all of me and the two become one. There is a oneness. And so the thing that I'm provoking you to is salt in this place. I'm What are you really about? Would you do it if it paid you no money? Would you do it if everybody abandoned you? Would you still believe if they bashed your head with rocks and drug you out to the square to crucify you? Would you still declare it if the leadership principles only got you crucified and didn't make you rich? Would you still sing even if you were in a jail cell for singing? There's got to be salt in the sacrifice. Otherwise, we're doing it for ourselves this is how you move forward oh lord i feel this in my bones you know how many, how many church plants we have outlasted here in New York City? Do you know many, how, how many churches folded up and boarded up the doors? People ask me, what is the thing that caused you to last? We have salt on the inside of us. I want to know who wants, and think about it, who wants to be salty with me? Who wants to be salty with me? I'm telling you there, I'm telling you, please hear me.
This is an eschatological message. This is a message about the end of the age. Jesus is coming back. I don't know when, but Jesus said, when I come back, don't be like Lot's wife that looked backward out of curiosity, that looked backward out of attachment and nostalgia and comfort. They all, come on somebody, your past is an enemy to your future. Don't look back, drag your broken leg into the future. Walk into your future maimed and wounded, but start walking into it. Do it broken. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to irritate you and agitate you. Walk. If you got a limp, walk into the future. Stop romanticizing the way things used to be. You know why so many pastors in New York didn't show up to the Times Square event, even though I invited them? Because they are obsessed with what is behind. They're still trying to replicate what God did in 2017. They're still trying to replicate what God did in 2012. God is doing a new thing. Behold, it is sprung forth. Open your eyes to see it. He is doing a new thing. Just because they didn't teach you about demons in seminary doesn't mean it's not time to learn about deliverance, pastor, and do what God's called you to do. Just because they didn't teach you about generational curses in seminary doesn't mean that you can't educate yourself to liberate the people We've got to stop obsessing over what was. It's time to move forward. Oh, I used to preach back in the day. Oh, back in the day, I used to, yeah, I, you used to. If you don't have a new story of leading somebody to Jesus Christ, then you are still tending to the things of the past. Come on, if you don't have a new story of a miracle, a new story of a healing, a new story of a deliverance, let's move forward. Time to move forward. I don't want to sing the old song. I want to sing a new song. Something about this message. I'm done. I'm done. Lot's wife. There's a salt. Watch this. Psalm 107, verse 33 and 34. He turns rivers. He, who's he? God. He turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. What does he do? He'll turn it into a salty waste. What does that mean? It means a judgment from God about being infertile. A salty wasteland can produce no vegetation. Mark my words, I'm speaking prophetically. Mark this on the timer, Evan, because as sure as I stand here, you're about to see this. There are longstanding ministries that have refused to look forward and they're going to be turned by God sovereignly into a salt, salty wasteland. And you guys are going to see the word of the Lord fulfilled right before your eyes. Let me show you this. Psalm 107, 33 through 34. He turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into a thirsty ground and fruitful land into salty waste. We're moving into the next season now. And what the hallmark of this next season is going to be is going to be God Almighty taking some long-standing ministries 
and you're gonna see pillars of salt. I'm not cursing them. I'm not speaking against them. I'm simply saying there is an urgency like I've never felt before. I'm not good enough to go into New Jersey. I'm not good enough to go into New Jersey and 400 people show up and it materialized into a full-blown campus overnight. Don't you dare, oh, Pastor Mike, what an incredible leader. No, that's a sign of the times. It's a sign of the times. I am not good enough to fill up Times Square. It's a sign of the time. I'm not good enough to have campuses from coast to coast flooding with people every single week. I'm not that good. It's a sign of the time. There should be something inside of you that's churning inside of your guts that says, God, I don't want to be the pillar of salt. Let me tell you why we're, we're going to end on this because God has a purpose yet still for you. And when I think about Lot's wife, you know what she was? And this is what the Lord showed. I waited all the way to the end for this. She was a fixer. We have no evidence of this. So don't, you know, hold me to this theologically. But if I were to guess in all my years experience, why she would look back momentarily, it's because she was a fixer. Because there was something inside of Lot, Lot's wife that said, but all I've devoted my life to is trying to make the best out of bad situations. So is there something left to fix in Sodom and Gomorrah? Maybe it all doesn't have to be destroyed. And so some of you guys go back because of sin, but many more of you go back because you want to fix it. I'm speaking now. I'm speaking now. And there's something in you. Maybe I can fix my old pastor. Maybe I can fix my old relationship. Maybe I can fix. Oh, I'm speaking. It got real quiet up in here. And so what if I told you Lot's wife wasn't looking back because she wanted to have sex one more time? What if I told you she was looking back because there was still 1% of her that thought maybe I can fix it? For many of you, that will be your undoing. It will be your attempt to go back. You want me to tell you, my mother, incredible woman, but when we had a long conversation about why did you get married the times you got married, she said, Mike, every time I thought maybe this time I could fix it. So here's what, oh man, it got real quiet. I'm dealing with a root. For many of you, this is the most important sermon that you've heard in your life. And I could feel it because we are not gonna offer in this church incense without salt. We are not gonna offer grain without salt. We are not gonna offer meat without salt. We are gonna have salt in everything we do in this church for generations to come. If Jesus doesn't come back, multi-generational salt, are you with me? Let me read this to encourage you. We're going to pray. Philippians chapter three, verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Here's another one. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come. Romans chapter 12, verse two. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your 
your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So you don't get a renewed mind because you pray for one. You get a renewed mind because you were tested. (laughs) Y'all never even read that scripture. You know, you can't say God renew my mind. You say, God, when I face the testing, may I get better at discerning your true will. And when I walk in your will, my mind is renewed. Oh, my helping somebody. That's how you renew your mind is the next time you're solicited to go back to Sodom and Gomorrah, the next, you hit, this time you hit the block button. This time you look them in the face and say, stop talking about that person's past and start prophesying about their future. This time you start getting a renewal of your mind because you're discerning the will of God. Are you with me? Ephesians chapter four, verse 22, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Colossians chapter three, verse 13, bear with each other, forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against anyone, forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Would you just stand to your feet for a moment? Because I feel the holiness of God all over this message. I'm only asking you to do the very thing that I've learned how to do right in front of you. I'm still on a journey. Holiness is not a destination. Holiness is a journey. Holiness is not you wearing long dresses to cover your kneecaps and never wearing makeup. Holiness is I don't cuss anymore because some of you don't say the F word, but you also don't say forgive. (laughs) Some of you are like, I don't cuss. Yeah, but you curse. (laughs) So holiness is not a destination, it's a journey. And see what happens, and I'm seeing it, Jocelyn, is we have all these precious sheep that are being solicited by false prophets that are giving offerings without salt because salt is covenant. Salt is not how much can I pay for your program so I can learn how to be a prophet. Salt is Elijah saying, I will not leave your presence, Elijah, And if you're plowing, I'll plow behind you and I'll be covered with the dung and feces of the animals with us plowing right now because I have covenanted to you. And then when the mantle falls, the mantle was not an e-course. The mantle was not a program. The mantle was not somebody meeting with you. The mantle was a mantle of covenant. We need to exchange courses for covenant. And that's how you put salt in it. Covenant is, I am covenanted to Mike Signorelli. I am covenanted to V1 Church. I am covenanted to this house. There's salt in that thing. And we have courses without covenant. And we are making orphans and not sons. And you will become a false prophet like the false prophet that's raising you. But the true prophets will be covered in dung as they're plowing in this next season. And it's not sexy, but it's powerful. I said my piece on that. 
And I've got to say this because we're living in a generation with incense, with no salt, grain with no salt, meat without salt, but we're going to be different. Are you going to be different with me? Okay. So what we're going to do right now, because I feel like the burden is lifted. <laughs> Praise God. Give me a bagel. Get a bagel ready, Julie. I earned it today. I earned it today. I'm telling you, y'all, these conversations are more loving than you could ever imagine because those other people, they don't care about you. That person that you slept with, that you keep fantasizing about sleeping with again, you used them and they used you. Don't go back. That church, they used you and you used them. You needed a sense of significance and they needed someone to fill a position. You both used each other. That's not covenant. Move on. I feel the Lord breaking some things off of people. Move on, move on, move on. The Lord's taking you deeper now. I feel there's salt coming into the room. As a matter of fact, we talked about this last night. I said, we don't need a band or nothing. Let's just deal with this. Because either there's salt or no salt. Salt's not a feeling. It's a desire that turns into covenant. So I want you to close your eyes right now just to remove the distractions just to remove all the distractions with you, every eye closed, we're about to pray. If you need prayer right now and you're saying, Pastor Mike, there are some things I need to move forward. I need to move forward. I, 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 something you said today, I was dealing with my heart and I need to, I, and before, before I become a pillar of salt, which is God's judgment, I need the salt of sacrifice and covenant on the inside of me. And I feel something provoking me. Would you just lift your hand? Okay, so what I'm going to do right now is I'm just going to begin to pray for you. And as I begin to pray for you, I just want you to just dialogue with the Lord. And I'm going to pray over you as your pastor and a shepherd over your life. And there's no music or anything right now. This is just a sacred moment. And so whatever you need to, some of you right now are going to immediately come out of this and you're going to start dealing with it. You're going to start blocking, start banning, start shifting, moving. This, this sermon is going to put thrust you forward. So let me begin to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for each and every single one of them right now. I pray for your anointing to begin to break every yoke of bondage and slavery to the past right now. I speak to every ungodly desire and every ungodly soul tie, every spirit of carnality and the flesh. Right now, I sever it in the name of Jesus. I come every ungodly soul tie be severed right now from every past relationship that was not in alignment. For those that have been manipulated by abusive leaders, leadership structures. For those who were put a carrot, the Lord keeps showing me a vision of a carrot on a stick. And some of you, they dangled the carrot. I don't know if it's, they kept promising you that they were going to marry you and they never did. They kept promising you, you were going to become a pastor and you never were made a pastor. They kept promising you that they were going to bring you in deeper. But I see the Lord just cutting the carrot off of the stick and handing it to you right now and saying, I will give you the very thing that they promised. I will do the very thing that they did not do. I will see that it comes to pass. Some of you, the Lord says your desire was right, but how you went about the desire was wrong. And the Lord says, I brought you back to this place because I'm going to righteously fulfill that desire. Now I am going to righteously bring you into alignment with what I showed you. Many of you are receiving an adjustment from the Holy Spirit right now under the sound of my voice. 
Yeah, that's it. That's it. You will receive the mantle. You will, it will fall upon your life. But the Lord says, I'm taking you through the proper route now. I keep seeing a picture of a mountain and the mountain is where Jesus was tempted. And the Lord says, I'm going to, I'm drawing you out into a mountain experience. Many of you are already there. You've been in in a season of hearing the devil's voice more than hearing God's voice. And it's like the temptation has been real. That's why I preached about it last week. But I just clearly, the Lord says, this is an indicator of promotion. Don't settle. Don't settle. Don't settle. I hear the word. I feel this strong inside of me. Don't settle. I don't know who I'm talking to. Don't settle. Resurrect the dream. It was from God. Resurrect the dream. It was from God. Resurrect the dream. It was from God. You killed the dream. God didn't kill the dream. He's taking you through a different route. I hear the Lord asking me to ask many people right now if they are willing to believe what he showed you, if you're willing to step into it, or if you're going to shrink back. And and some of you, I had a video I did last week. It just crossed over a million views and it's about unusual tiredness and lethargy and passivity. There is an attack of the enemy to stop many of you from moving forward. And that's why the Lord says you will move forward now. Last thing I want to say, I heard the Lord say, as you take your first step, as you take your first step, you are going to feel a supernatural strength and encouragement come over you and I will strengthen your feeble knees, and I will cause you to walk. And the Lord says that the nostalgia, the the comfort, the longing, that's not going to go away. You are going to have to learn how to kill it. And the Lord, it's like the Lord is saying to me, there's many of you that are expecting that God does it. And the Lord's like, no, you're going to have to breathe through this. You're going to have to let that thing die. You're going to have to breathe through it. And so some of you, it's like, I just need more deliverance. You don't need more deliverance. You need now to learn how to breathe through pain. You need discipline now. Breathe through pain. Breathe through pain. You don't need deliverance. You need to actually learn how to deliver a baby. That's pushing. That's, that's pushing. That's pain and pushing. Pain and pushing replaces deliverance in this next season, says the Lord. Pain and pushing. Why? Because Lot's wife was turned into a pillar of salt. She was made barren, infertile, unable to birth anything else. And why? Because she didn't learn how to birth something in the spiritual realm. She didn't learn how to press forward and push that thing. She didn't learn how to press, persevere. And I hear the Lord saying, persevere, persevere. I want to pray over and entire church because I've been getting woken up in the middle of the night frequently. And the Lord keeps saying dark winter, dark winter, dark winter. I believe the Lord has prepared many of us through these sermons uh, for what is coming up ahead. And I don't know if it's spiritually dark or naturally dark or both, but I want to pray over you as we get ready for our, uh, one of our very own V1 church pastors to come up in a few seconds. uh, And and the the team is going to join us, but I want to pray because I, I feel like there were trans, Transitioning now, we're getting closer to winter, and there's something about this next season. And the Lord says that He wants.
wants to prepare and fortify us to be ready. So Heavenly Father, I ask you, this is a very prophetic prayer right now. I ask you, Lord, that you would cause a oneness to come over V1 Church beyond the unity of the earth. But there would be a oneness that, Lord, we would come together and encourage each other, sharpen each other, lift each other up, spur each other for more, push each other towards more, and that we would persevere through a dark winter, God, that we would have an understanding that we are called to covenant and that the salt in our sacrifice is the indicator of covenant and that we would begin to increase while the world decreases, that we would begin to experience promotion while the world is experiencing demotion, that we would live under your favor, that your face would shine upon us, Lord. In Jesus' name, can somebody say amen? Come on, can we put our hands together and just celebrate what the Lord did? Come on.